Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. A frequent guest on our program is back with us, and that is the Honorable Elaine Marshall, who's uh, serving as the North Carolina Secretary of State, a uh, position she's been in. First, she was elected in 1996. And um, so uh, welcome to the program again. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be back. Well, uh, let's let, uh, just as a refresher course for those who may be listening for the first time uh, or, or not quite as uh, up to date on things that are happening in North Carolina, maybe newcomers and so forth, let's talk about the Secretary of State's office and, and what are your primary duties? Well, I'm delighted to be the Secretary of State and explain this because Secretary of State's offices from state to state are very different. So what somebody learned in Pennsylvania may not be what happens here. Uh, But the North Carolina Secretary of State's responsibility is to promote economic growth and to protect the public from financial harm. Uh, We're the heartbeat of business. We're business infrastructure. Uh, I jokingly say we're the maternity ward for business because corporations and LLCs and all are filed there. Uh, Our main focus is to facilitate capital formation to support businesses. And then we protect the public from scams and crooks in a few narrow areas related to to businesses. I don't have the breadth of all law enforcement, but uh, do have specific law enforcement. And your office is one of the first ones that uh, hears about scams and such. That that is correct. That is correct. So um, when you you first were elected to this office back in 1996, uh, what was the biggest surprise you had? I'm I'm just sort of getting away from our typical conversation here. When you came into the office and you, you run for the office and you thought you knew all about it, and did you? Well, no, (laughs) no. Uh, I'd practiced in a lot of the areas that the Secretary of State does, and I'd been in the State Senate. But one of the biggest learning curves was uh, learning how to manage a state budget from the administration's point rather than from the appropriator's point like the the General Assembly does. The other was that the morale at the office was just very low. Uh, We didn't have enough things to to make the office efficient. Uh, There had been a... uh, uh, a lot of negative press regarding uh, some things that went on uh, six months to a year, two years before uh, my election, and there had to be a lot of cleanup work done for that, and the first was with the employees. Um, they didn't understand why what they did was important to the economy. So we had to build a team from that. We had to stress customer service, but we also had to give them the tools, which was technology, uh, in order to serve the public better. Now, you mentioned technology. Of course, that's a, that's a battle we all face in everyone's not only personal life but also their business lives because uh, technology continues to improve. And we buy a new software system or a new computer, and uh, six months or a year later, it's uh, sort of out of date. So where are you as far as the being up to date with your technology? Well, I often describe uh, technology and security for technology as a race without a finish line. Because if you are trying to prevent scams and hackers and what have you, you've always got to try to stay one step ahead of them, and they're trying to stay one step ahead of you. Uh, We have our own software system that we developed in-house. Other states have used this on kind of a barter system. Uh, So I've got pretty tight control over uh, the system itself. Of course, we have to depend upon a lot of vendors and a lot of security folks. Uh, a lot of analytical software to figure out where we need to be looking, 
uh, for problems and then plug those holes. It's like the boy with the finger in the dike, uh, except there can be a lot of holes and sometimes you don't know they're there. The other aspect is employee training because um, while it's the outside attackers, they're trying to exploit our good people who may jump on an improper email and then bring some kind of malware on into uh, the office. So we do a lot of training on that. Well, it's always been sort of a battle to keep up with the changes in technology and with uh, those who are abusing it. Uh, do we currently have, do you think we our, our legislation is caught up? Is our agenda of laws now adequate to take care of all the problems that arise from this uh, dependence on the internet and I think the laws are okay it's the matter of how much money does the state invest in this type of activity uh, I'm separate and apart from basically from the state information technology securities because we have I believe stronger security uh, we, have, we have security that's comparable to what our banks have here in North Carolina the big ones and the little ones and um, um, that is not what the state would buy for other agencies. But then again, we have a lot of personal uh, information. We have a lot of uh, financial information, criminal invest investigation information. I should say we don't have that much financial information. But what we have, if somebody went in there and twisted it, would be a big problem. In the area of, uh, this is, uh, I guess, not exactly a scam, but we are all receiving all these robocalls with local numbers, and everybody is really upset it about it. It is maddening. It, it's yes. Terrible. Yes. Uh, it, it's just, uh, uh, so what are we going to do about that? Well, we're going to turn that over to the Attorney General and the feds. Um, you know, there's not authority in the Secretary of State's office over that type of, of activity. Uh, but you're right, it is maddening, and they're attempting to scam or attempting to sell uh, something. Um, you know, one day I got 20 calls in the same day and uh, from the same number coming to me, and I was able to get AT&T to stop that one. Uh, so there are some other remedies out there, but it's got to be pretty egregious, and then you got to be able to get to the right person to, to get it fixed. Well, it's just, uh, you know, it's an invasion of privacy because, uh, uh, of course, there's a cost to receiving a call. It's yeah. a very, uh, at this point in time, small, but uh, uh, but uh, that, this is, you, you look at a local number and you say, is that somebody I know? And, and uh, right. how are they getting those local numbers? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, I guess they can just, you know, sign up with the, te the phone yeah, companies yeah. and get them assigned to them. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe just tech, technology override of what's being sent. Well, I have not ever it. tried, re uh, you know, canceling it and, and returning and the call back. and see if it's a real live number. It may not be a real live number. I don't know. Jason may know more about that than I do. But uh, but it is maddening, and it's one of the things I'm, I'm sure that uh, – um, we had Josh Stein on the program a couple of weeks ago, and he said that uh, – that they were working on it, along with, I mean, this is nationwide. This is, this is nationwide, yeah. yes. So uh, this is just sort of something that uh, is uh, something that needs to be attended to, and everybody is in favor of attending to it. So Clearly. There are not many things that everybody's in favor of right now. Well, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But Now, you've been in politics and in government for some time, and we uh, seem to be more partisan than we've ever been before as far as the uh, party politics and the divisiveness in both the uh, General Assembly and also the Congress. Uh, do you see that getting any better right now? Or is there a little bit more cooperation or a little less cooperation? Or is it about the same between the two parties? Maybe a hair better. 
yeah. but not not really clear to the public that it's better. What do we need to do to get that better? Because we redistricting. Yeah, yeah redistricting. redistricting. Yeah. Well, we've we've talked about that a number of times on this program, and that uh, the fact that we basically didn't have many competitive races for the General Assembly or for Congress, for that matter. And uh, that's where it all begins when there's a dialogue in the election. Right, because if you can pack a bunch of people together that you think are going to vote a certain way, then um, um, it's not competitive for the other party even to field a quality candidate. Uh, thank goodness for those who do step up and try to do something because we've had quality people to oppose. But uh, just the numbers are not there, and it's, it's very difficult. So uh, um, it's a case where the electeds have picked their – their voters rather than the voters picking, picking the official. Well, we have all these terms of uh, double bunking and, and uh, packing and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, 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 of course, you know, uh, to their credit, the Democrats admitted they did it too. That's correct. And now the Republicans That's are correct. doing it. And so I think it's kind of interesting that, uh, that at least the, uh, uh, they agree on that. Both parties did it. <laughs> well, I think we will have some answer on some of this uh, before the month of June is over because the Supreme Court has a case from North Carolina pending, and uh, they will dump a lot of opinions at the end of session, which will end sometime towards the last week of June. So uh, stay tuned and and stay Keep tuned listening. to find out. And, of course, the congressional districts are probably going to be rejuggled anyway because we uh, chances are the, the next population we're going to gain them. Yeah. You know, this is another problem we have to deal with in North Carolina. That's growth. Uh, how is the growth in North Carolina? We never, I think I looked up yesterday. It was 10,350,000 people or thereabout in the state of North Carolina. Uh, that's uh, uh, twice South Carolina. Uh, it's uh, one of the things that I was – sort of interested in looking up Wake and Mecklenburg counties, both Wake and Mecklenburg, not together but separate, are bigger than nine states, nine entire states. Yes, and those states have two votes in the United States Senate and uh, that cancel out, arguably, the two votes for North Carolina, and the people are very disproportionately represented. Yeah. So, yeah. But that was the founding fathers, and I'm not saying that was a bad system in the beginning. Uh, but it certainly, uh, with the population yeah. concentrations, it, it makes it a bit uh, interesting. You know, uh, we, we had the opportunity to travel to Alaska a couple of years ago, and you, you hear of Fairbanks and mm-hmm. Anchorage mm-hmm. and all these mm-hmm. things, and then you land in it and you realize it's about the size of Fayetteville. <laughs> I mean, it's not a big, it's not a big town. And that's got to be in the summertime because in the winter, a lot of those oh. folks go to Hawaii. <laughs> if they've got good sense, they do. I mean, it's... Uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the difference between those entities in our next segment, and we'll do that when we continue our conversation with the North Carolina Secretary of State, the Honorable Elaine Marshall, and we'll do that right after these messages. Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? What? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. 
Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with uh, the Honorable Elaine Marshall, who's the uh, North Carolina Secretary of State, a job that she was first elected to in 1996. And, you know, right at the end of the program, you mentioned all the different forms uh, that a company can have. Uh, let's let's go over those just so people kind of understand what an LLC is, what a sub S corporation is, and the differences. Uh, North Carolina law, like a lot of states, gives uh, people who want to, to be entrepreneurs a lot of options. And I have to say that you don't have to form a business entity. If you want to be a person uh, and operate and even have a trade name, then you would be doing business as something. Uh, you can do that. But the preferred way for a lot of people is to either become a corporation or an LLC. The corporation is where you have uh, shareholders, although it may be a a small number. And uh, the big difference between a corporation and an LLC is that a corporation pays taxes, whereas an LLC is much like a corporation, but it has a simplified way of starting. It doesn't really have shareholders. It has members. And any profits or losses from the LLC flow through to the people individually so that it just becomes ordinary income to them rather than a double level of taxation uh, that can happen with a corporation. Now, the LLC world is full of alphabet soup. It can be a PLLC. That's a professional. Well, LLC stands for Limited Liability Company. And you can have a PLLC, which is a professional limited liability company. Then we have some other, I would say, obscure uh, combinations uh, that we don't have very many of, uh, but they're where like two LLCs own, can go together and create another one. It's a limited, limited <laughs> liability uh, company. But if generally a lawyer will advise some business people that that's what they need to do for whatever business purposes it might be. There are not very many of those. Um, the other thing that's registered with us, which a lot of people don't uh, really know, is an unincorporated business association. Uh, We've seen an uptick in those registrations lately, and it's mostly driven by banking laws. Uh, Nowadays, banks have to know their client, and it used to be uh, when you were growing up, your mama probably belonged to a book club or a garden club, and they had a checking account at the bank, and everybody knew everybody, and it was all okay. But in this days of uh, attempting to uh, prevent money laundering and know your client, um, a book club can't go down there and open up a, a bank account just like they used to in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. So now they register as an unincorporated association of people, and then that allows them to have the appropriate documentation to present to the bank uh, to be able to open up that checking account. What uh, amounts to now, that? another term I've heard uh, some lawyers in explaining the difference between a personal business, one that uh, is doing business as under mm-hmm. a personal name, and either a corporation or an LLC, is the actual fact is the the law looks at these as a person. That's correct. Yeah. So Corp- corporation is a person, yeah. and so uh, it does limit your liability as an individual in some cases. That's correct, and that's the LLC in its title is limited liability, oh. and and we're seeing th- that's where the growth is. Because previously, a corporation, let's say they were a developer, they had Project A, Project B, Project C, Project D, and they were all in the same corporation. 
Nowadays, Project A will be LLC A. Project B will be LLC B, and on and on yep. and on. They, they have single purposes. Sometimes developers will buy a piece of land, and once that land is sold, that's all they want to do with that yep. LLC. Well, it's, uh, it is an interesting maze, uh, and, and you have to learn all the alphabet uh, <laughs> That's correct. to, to uh, understand it completely. But, uh, but North Carolina was sort of a leader in, in the development of the LSE. Isn't that correct? That's, Somebody, that's correct. That. Uh, I was in the state Senate when it was created in the 93-94 session, and we just thought that we would have um, uh, the same number of – that people would just pick and choose rather than the LLCs being like spokes of a wheel and having so many of them. That was the big surprise. Uh, the fee for LLCs was set back in that 93-94 session, and it's never been changed, which has annoyed a lot of people uh, that have multiple LLCs. But there is a bill at the General Assembly, it is not yet passed, that would, be the, um, uh, that would bring down the LLC, but it would also take up the corporation uh, annual report uh, filing with us, but that's still a work in progress. We don't know where that's where that's going to land. Well, speaking of the legislature, they are in session. Are there other uh, pieces of legislation either proposed or legislation that you think might be proposed that will affect uh, your office and your duties? Well, that one is the biggest one. We're monitoring a couple others. You know, we regulate athlete agents, and the uniform law commissioners have come up with some modifications. And the NCAA is interested in some other things. That is a work in progress. Um, that's kind of the major other thing that we're... Well, that, of course, uh, sports fans are very interested in that because uh, obviously there is a uh, certainly a gray area when it comes to uh, the major sports in, on the college level, uh, especially yeah. basketball and football. A lot of third parties involved, shoe companies, uh, would-be agents, agents. And, of course, some of these people are very legitimate and do a very legitimate function, right. and yet some are Rogue. up to no good. Yep, that's correct. Put it that way. Yep. Yep. So yep. How, how are you going about sort of sorting that out and protecting young men and their families because uh, many of them are not sophisticated? In fact, most people aren't sophisticated in business. Well, and particularly sports agencies, very different than a lot of other types of, of businesses. Uh, we, um, we work with the schools. Uh, we attempt to educate the young people to let them know what is permissible, what is not permissible. And by the way, the schools are in favor of what you're doing. I, I, yep. I appreciate yep. that. Yep. Yeah, yep. yep. Uh, and um, we generally operate on complaints that come in from somebody else reporting because uh, we don't have the resources to be everywhere. You know, and most of our operations are complaint driven. And uh, so uh, we, we try to let all the parties know, hopefully the adults in the room know, um, you know, but unfortunately, sometimes there, there can be rogue people at the schools who also are turning a blind eye to this activity. So um, all they've got to do is read the newspapers that ultimately this may not turn out well for them. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've heard of several coaches saying, you know, when they visit a home and an uncle comes in, uh, that's usually a, a bad a sign. That's usually a bad sign that, yeah. that yeah. when yeah. the mother and father are in there and then all of a sudden they introduce some people that are sometimes introduced as uncles, that that's a bad sign. When you have a, a person that shows a great deal of talent, there are a lot of uh, friends, artificial friends who want to help out the family and uh, are mostly interested in getting into that young athletes pocketbook and future earnings and so um, they're not really good advisors they don't 
they just want to be a part of the action. And uh, uh, sometimes they're willing to take what you would call bribes to, to participate. Yeah. And, you know, the, anyway, it's a sword sort of affairs. And, and uh, as we said, the, the, uh, the colleges need all the help they can get because I think, uh, you know, the vast majority of coaches are trying to follow Trying rules. to do the right yeah. thing. Yes, trying sir. Trying to do the mm-hmm. right thing. Uh, there are a few from time to time that stump their toe, but uh, for the most part, they're trying to do the right thing, and it is a battle. Well, uh, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, about this recent uh, lottery winner, and somebody said, you know, he's going to find out he's got a lot more relatives than he thought he had. Well, and, and, and that's a good comparison because uh, people come out of the woodwork uh, if they feel like you can help them yeah. um, in some way. And some of that's legitimate and some of that's it's cool. not. Yep. But I suspect that uh, a large list of charities was um, uh, at the beck and call of the uh, most recent uh, lottery winner. I'm sure. <laughs> I had lots of calls. Um, so uh, one of the things we want to talk about, and in fact, let's do it right now, is you have oversight of lobbying because lobbying is uh, uh, one of the most misunderstood things in government. Lobbying is a good thing in most cases, but it can go afoul, and we have uh, – put in a lot of laws in North Carolina and a lot of protection to be sure that it doesn't go afoul. But lobbyists usually serve a pretty valuable service. That's correct. Um, They're in a constitutionally protected occupation, and that is free speech. And, um, you know, not everybody can go down to the General Assembly themselves, uh, especially corporations and business interests. So they employ lobbyists to go down there and represent their interests. Those lobbyists provide good and valuable information uh, they assist with legislation. They do help write legislation. That's people consider that offensive and all, but that's you know they're they're trying to well, get well. They're the, they're experts. They're experts and, in that field. Yes. And as long as you recognize the fact that they have a special interest, it's uh, it's right. only up and up. Yeah, I mean. They have a bias. They have a reason for uh, wanting to do something. Then the legislators need to figure out, is that reason fair? Is it good for everybody concerned? Is it going to be good for the state of North Carolina and their district? Uh, and be open-minded to listen to the other side because they're more. Which is another lobbyist. Which is another lobbyist, (laughs) yes. What the lobbyists do with us, and this function has been with us for a long time, and then it got moved by that uh, after-election sessions that they had Uh, following the election of 16 and the courts said no it's coming back it needs to be in the executive branch one of those separation of powers cases so it's back with us and what the law provides is that if you're a lobbyist uh, you do have free speech but if you spent money on that free speech you've got to report it Uh, it also North Carolina is really tight on that because we call it a stick of gum law (laughs) yeah right or cup of coffee law Yeah. yeah because um, lobbyists can't give gifts to legislators, lobbyists can't uh, give money to legislatures, they can't bundle. Uh, so um, we are the agency where co- quarterly reports and annual reports are prepared uh, for what the lobbyists spend. Uh, I will tell you that what spending is going on uh, in connection with lobbying has exploded in the last four or five years. I don't exactly have the numbers with me, uh, but uh, the number of lobbyists has remained uh, pretty even for over the last four or five years, but yet the amount of money that has been spent in lobbying has just gone blown the rooftop off. So you've had a recent trip and a new partnership. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I have just returned from the Republic of Moldova. We've been in this partnership since 1999, 
but we just signed a five-year renewal of it that will carry it on for five more years. Uh, but we've celebrated the 20th anniversary here the last weekend in April, and uh, a delegation of 15 uh, folks, 14 North Carolinians and one from Washington, D.C., uh, went over to Moldova in mid-May, and we celebrated there. Uh, Governor uh, Cooper signed the uh, extension uh, agreement here, and uh, I carried it over, and uh, the prime minister signed it there, and, and the foreign minister and I are the two counterparts for leading this delegation or the partnership, and it's been uh, quite beneficial. This is something that grew out of the State Department and the military uh, Department of Defense uh, after the Soviet Union broke up, a lot of small independent uh, countries were uh, formed. Uh, Moldova uh, did not get a very good shake in life. They were a parliamentary democracy before the Soviets took them over. But the Soviets kept the thumb on them, and they no longer have access to the Black Sea, and they don't really have a whole lot of uh, uh, mineral resources. They have good agriculture land. Uh, but uh, they sit right between Romania and Ukraine, and with what happened in Ukraine about two or three years ago, they constantly are concerned uh, because there are some Russian separatists in Moldova um, that, you know, uh, bully around every once in a while, and Russia interferes in elections there. And so um, keeping democracy alive and the hope of the people is very, very important. It's important to North Carolina for America to have friends and Moldova clearly is one. And the Moldovan ambassador is coming uh, Sunday of this week. So he, he's a brand new ambassador and he's uh, wanting to learn more about the partnership. And ambassador after ambassador has called this the finest partnership they've ever seen because it's lasted 20 years. Well, that, that's, uh, you know, it's interesting how uh, the, uh, I, I have a uh, globe that I found that I had back in 1960 and I looked at the map uh, and countries have just disappeared, and new countries have. Uh, That's correct. I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible how much this happens. You, uh, it happens uh, so rapidly that it's sort of hard to figure out who's where and what's what. Well, and also countries that are still there, they change names. I mean, a lot of the Chinese yeah. cities yeah. have changed. A lot of the Indian cities have changed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got to stay up to date. Absolutely. What is crowdfunding? Crowdfunding is a new type of investment opportunity for small businesses with small investors uh, that can be done online or it can be done just in their place of business. Uh, go back to the pizza shop example. If they want to put a new oven in there and it's going to cost you know, $20,000 and they want to raise $20,000 from their customers, they can sell an interest in the business uh, to get that um, uh, new item in, in the store. Um, it can go up to $2 million. It's a way to save that business costs in doing an offering. Uh, it also, you know, we make sure that it's not a Ponzi scheme. They can't spend the money until a certain amount has been uh, reached in escrow. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a cheaper way to raise some money. It's not for everybody. Uh, everybody thought it was going to be great. It hadn't taken off anywhere in any state like a house of fire at all. Um, because a lot of business owners don't want to see their investors every week yeah. <laughs> coming into the shop. Uh, yes, I can imagine that would be uh, tough when your investors are also your customers. That's right. 
uh, and ex- probably expect a discount or something of that Well, nature. I mean, <laughs> it would be wise to give them a little discount in the first place, yeah. but their advice is going to come in also. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if, if someone wants information about crowdfunding, they can go S-O-S-N-C. to your website. SOSNC.gov. So let's go over those names. Uh, those uh, The your- website is SOSNC.gov, and if you look at the top, it'll say, I want to, and then you can click on that and see different things. Uh, or there's an alpha a, a to Z. You can go to that and put in what you want to, to learn about. So um, there's a lot of good tips up there about uh, fraud, business identity fraud, which we see uh, happening here in this state. So it's an awful lot of good advice up there for business owners and the professionals that deal with businesses. SOSNC.gov. A lot of people will try .com, and that's not going to get it there. That's right. Yeah. SOSNC.gov. Well, um, uh, Honorable Secretary, uh, thank you so much for being with us and sharing all this information. Uh, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. The program has been produced by Jason Cog, who promises me that he will have another equally interesting guest here next week. So to next week, same time, have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.